Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by our dynamic duo, Mark William, Mark Wiley, sorry, Mark, Mark Wiley and Will George. A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, episode 378 on our network. Got a great guest today. Only one show today for the audience. We're moving the sauce to Saturday to break down the Army-Navy game, the Heisman finalists, and he's got a message for Florida State tomorrow, so our college football roundup will be tomorrow. But three people to thank here, three groups anyway, before we get started. One, our audience, 60,000 subscribers. Appreciate your support. You guys know what to do. Five stars. Write some great comments after the show. We battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. So help us climb the charts of iHeartRadio Podcast Network. Uh, to our sponsor, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, we've got uh, two guys here uh, with codes here, so make sure we support them. And uh, Mark and Will, I'll let you read your codes uh, once we get on. That way that the audience knows. If you don't have it in front of you, I've got it. But uh, make sure when we go Blackout Coffee, we're supporting Mark and Will. Coffee's on them this month, so 20% off at checkout uh, if you put their codes in. And then to our buddy, Ted Kubiak, three-time world champion, shortstop for the Oakland A's. One of the smoothest fielding shortstops in the game's history. Has a great book, two great books, actually, for any baseball lovers in your family. Old school. It's baseball through his lens, what's happened to his, his pastime. It's got a wonderful fielding manual that goes along with it. Uh, the most comprehensive approach to fielding the baseball I've seen, read, or heard. Nothing like you're looking at when you look, pull up these YouTube videos. Thank God. So with that, Mark and Will, welcome back to your show. And if you don't mind, give the audience your codes uh, in unison so they can plug them in. And I'll put them in the show notes. Go ahead, okay, Mark. My, uh, my blackout uh, code for a discount is Mark, M-A-R-K, capitals, and a capital W, and then 20 after that. So it's Mark W20. And I'm all caps, Will G20. Yep, so we got Mark and, W. Uh, highly recommend blackout coffee. Very, very good. I'm drinking my espresso right now in my blackout coffee mug, believe it or not. So, uh, but capital Mark, M-A-R-K-W-20s, Mark Wiley's code, Will George, capital Will G-20, Will's code, coffee's on them. So use their codes at checkout, get 20% off. Guys, I'm excited about the guest today. I want to, you guys to introduce him, but I know to our audience here, um, we've got three great stories wrapped up into one. And, you know, you got our guest who's, whose uh, process to playing professional baseball was not a linear process. Uh, didn't didn't take the traditional route, ended up in a non-traditional position than what he started. And I think that's a great story of resilience, adaptation, and now he's doing the same for kids. And then it's also a story of a scout who was able to look through the analytics, look through the, uh, you know, through a different lens to see some talent in a young man and, and give him an opportunity. And then from a, a development of pitcher, pitching, uh, taking a guy who was not a pitcher traditionally a little bit and, you know, Worked with it and saw that saw the vision of the scout, saw the heart of the prospect, and boy, it turned out into a, a very nice career. So, with that, I'll let you guys introduce our guest. Yeah, uh, very very proud of this young man, and we'll refer to him as Mags today, since we have two Marks on the show. But uh, I met Mark Magliaro in 2012 uh, at my scouting for Cure golf outing. He came with a friend of mine who's an agent who always had pretty good eye for talent. And he brought him and a, and a couple of his other clients who were pitching professionally down and said, uh, this kid didn't get drafted this year. And uh, he's a very good shortstop. And he also had a good year pitching. And uh, I said, well, that's great. Uh, and talked to Mark and Mark was, uh, you know, good looking athlete, smart kid, graduated with honors from, uh, Rowan University uh, was all academic in his conference and uh, exercise science, a bachelor of science degree. Um, you know, just a sharp kid. And I see he, he came down on a beautiful day in December. Uh, you know, Mark bragged a little bit. He, you know, was the all-time hits leader at Rowan University. Stole a lot of bases. Uh, I think he hit over three, 
330, right around 330 in his career at Rowan. Uh, and then his senior year, he volunteered to close, and he was four for four uh, closing out games after coming off a shortstop. And um, really, really uh, came down and worked out. Never got a chance to see him play in a game, but uh, he ran a 6660. He showed good hands and feet. We uh, hit him some ground balls on a turf football field down here in Delaware. Um, showed a good arm, went in, hit. Uh, we set up some uh, BP and some live BP with another pitcher down here, and he swung the bat well and put him on the mound, and he was 92 to 94 uh, and had good feel for the strike zone. Athletic delivery, which we preach all the time, and uh, I called the Rockies. I said, you know, I've never seen him play in a game, but, um, you know, it's hard for me to say, you know, what type of everyday player he is, but I know he could go out and pitch, and he's an athletic kid that throws strikes with great work ethic. So uh, we signed Mark for the 2013 season. He uh, ended up playing seven years, reaching the A level. Um, I believe he uh, traveled numerous times as a backup pitcher in Major League Spring training games because of who he was. He was a tireless worker, uh, very coachable, very smart kid who throughout his career, he dug into the newest training techniques along with the old school things um, and along with analytic data. And I believe, you know, when Mark's career ended uh, after the 2019 uh, pitching in an independent league, he decided to get into coaching, which I thought was a great idea because I always thought that, you know, because of being a good position player and pitcher that he would end up being a good coach or maybe even a manager someday. But uh, he's, he's at the PRD baseball Academy in New Jersey. One of the, rising stars at developing young talent and uh, his teams. Uh, I'll let Mark go into the numbers, but I know since 2020 through this past season, he's had a ton of division one and two and three college commits that have gone through his program. He's had kids drafted. He has major league and minor league pitchers who work out with him all winter long, position players at a beautiful facility. And um, like I said, I'm really, really proud of this guy. Uh, he's a great friend and a great person who loves working with kids and helping them out. And we're happy to have him here today. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Really uh, grateful to have this opportunity to talk to you guys and um, looking forward to being able to talk and catch up. Sounds good, Mags. Um, uh, the, the, your facility is PRD Baseball Academy, right, Mark? Well, uh, yes. Yeah, so the, the teams are – so we the PRD Baseball Academy is the owner of the brand. So they own the brand. Um, I'm a part owner of that. But the, the building is called Ghost Training. Okay. Um, our teams are called East Coast Ghosts. But – uh, PRD baseball is like the, the brand, the owner, and then ghost training, we're called PRD ghost. And then we okay. just ghost training is the name of the building though. So it's called ghost training and it's in, it's located in New Jersey. Um, and yeah, since 2018, uh, I would say we've had over 150 division one commits and division two and division three this year alone, we've had over 50. Wow. That's incredible. So, and, uh, uh I, you know, I know you've uh, gone to a lot of the best tournaments and finished in the top three and five, and uh, your rankings have always been high. I believe you even have a, a couple kids who have a chance of getting drafted in the first round this year that train with you and have played for you. And, uh, you know, I know your passion. I know your knowledge. And, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about some of your guys that you have uh, – have coming through the system for this upcoming year too. All right. Well, I mean, so with PRD, we have two teams that were really, really good this year. We had East coast ghost, which um, was top 40 team in the country. And then there was another team called artillery um, that I was able to coach that is actually was 
top 10 in the country this year. And I mean, that lineup's a really special lineup, uh, really cool lineup. They had, uh, their, their, they have a kid named Caleb Bonimer who runs like a six, three, they have a kid named Chase Harlan who runs like a six, four, um, Luke, this kid named Luke Dickerson who runs like a six, six, that was like their number one, two, and three. They had a closer from Colorado named Trey Gregory Alford who, uh, throws like 95, 97. Um, I mean, really, really talented team, like five or six Virginia commits. Um, and then my team, East Coast Ghost, I was a coach of artillery. So PRD owns artillery. Um, I was the coach. I, um, it was like three head coaches of that artillery team. Um, but it was really, it was really, really, really cool team. Uh, um, Jupiter was really cool. I actually, um, it was pretty much, it was really cool to see things full circle. I remember going to Jupiter when I was a kid. Um, not actually, I wasn't even, I didn't even play in it. I just remember watching it and seeing all the golf carts and then to be on the field coaching and seeing all those golf carts and all the scouts and the teams that we've put together and the relationships that we built doing this over the past couple of years is it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, and then the East coast ghost team that I coach, uh, and these, are so how it works, artillery is kids all over the country. Um, but I've coached these kids. I've known these kids for two years now. So it's kids from all over the country. And then East Coast Ghost is kids from New Jersey. Um, so there's a kid named Chris Lavonis who's committed to Wake Forest. He's like 94, 95. Um, unbelievable talent. Uh, unreal talent. Then there's another kid named Harrison Lolan. He's committed to Penn State. Um, he's like 92, 93. Probably the best pitcher that I think is in the state. Like if you had to – like if, if, and this is where we talk about pitching. Like you, like you can have the best stuff in the world, um, and you can try to teach somebody to try to be like somebody else. But at the end of the day, like this, you get this kid on the mound, and he sort of beats to his own drum. Like, and I think it's cool. Like he pitches like he'll, he could throw ninety three, but he'll live eighty eight to eighty nine, dotting in and out, in and out, and make lineups look like they've never touched a bat before. You know, so like. And that's what's really cool to me is like everyone's so like crazy about all the other kids. And this kid's a top 10 pitcher in the state. But like if you need to win a game, he's the guy. And and like honestly, like you would look at him and you would think like, like, uh, hey, like I understand why people like the other guy. But this kid, like you're going to remember this name, Harrison Lolland. Remember that name. He's going to be like he went to the PG Nationals this year and struck out four players in a row and was 91 to 93. Wow. And everyone was like, who is this kid? And then through a changeup that was 85 that no one could touch. And everyone was like, who is this kid? But then he's like, Mark, when I go out there and pitch and I start a game for five or six innings, I go out there to win for my team. He's like, the last thing I'm thinking about is trying to touch a PR. And I was like, you know what? That's really cool. But that's probably why he is where he is. He's he's going to Penn State. He's probably going to be a weekend starter as a freshman. Um, and he's just a, like a, like a dog. Like he's a, he's a really, really good kid. Oh, like, you know, and it's really cool to see that. Like, you know, like, and like for these kids and that's another thing, like, I don't want to talk too long, but uh, I just think that their, their work ethic, like we, we talk about like old school. I think the back, the thing is, is like, I remember going to spring training and Mark Wiley was there every day. Like, it wasn't like you just show, I was there every day. You go to work every day. Like, and that's the cool thing about these kids. They get that. And I think that's what's lost in the game. Like, not many people under, or respect the amount of work that people put into this game to be successful, you know? Mags, you're pulling off the the ultimate uh, compilation of teaching there because you're, you know, you're in a new, we're in a new age. There's technology, there's analytics, there's things in these kids' head. They got so much input about what's, what they, what's perceived to be important you just gave two or three points on players that you're working with where you're marrying the two. How the heck are you doing that? I mean, I just, I think it's the fact that like, um, I've pitched at a high level. Uh, I've under, I understand the game as a hitter at a high level. I played in a summer league that at the time was like a top two league in the country. So I had like Miami commits. Um, I had a bunch of, uh, like I had big time commits on my team. So it was real baseball as a hitter. And I think once I became a pitcher, um, I realized I didn't get the game as a hitter mentally. Like I just relied on my athleticism as a hitter. And now that I'm able to understand that and I can teach the body and the mental side, um, I can understand like, you know what, 
this kid, if I tell him something to do right now with his body, he's a thinker. I need to give him a constraint drill. Whereas like another kid who's going to Wake Forest who loves spin rate, loves this stuff, loves that stuff, I might say, hey, you know what? Go try this. Or hey, this there's a Trevor Bauer YouTube video that he talks about how he developed all his off-speed pitches. Go check that out. If you're really into that stuff, maybe that can help you. And that's the kid going to Wake Forest who spins his curveball at 3,000 RPMs. So like for him, that's very valuable. He's learning. Whereas I have another kid who he's more of like the kid Harrison, who's like more of like, I'm going to, I'm going to work. I'm going to be solid and I'm just going to out pitch you. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's, you have to, you have to see who you're dealing with. And I think that's something that like, this is to Will's credit. Like when I met Will, he treated me as a person. Same thing with Mark Wiley. They, they tried to get to know me as a person before anything baseball, you know, like, and I also think that's why I was so vested in the Rockies is because they made me feel like, and not made me, they actually cared about me, you know? So I think you have to show that you care and kids will, you'll be able to see what, like what's important to kids also. It's great points. I think we talked about authenticity a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mark, Mark's, Mark's taken the authenticity that he dealt with from our organization and the people he dealt with in our organization, and he's given that to those kids, and then there becomes a level of trust for them to develop under you. Um, And you're also smart enough to understand what each kid actually needs and and give them the right right things. So... um, you know, and, and, and I also failed to mention, Mark, I know you've been very involved in, in the, the creating a mental culture of envisioned success, talking to your kids about how important that that is as well. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like uh, so like when I had Tommy John, um, baseball was like everything to me. And I thought that they're like, you know, sometimes you have negative thoughts in your life, you know, so. I thought that baseball was going to be over. And then I realized like, you know, like people don't view me as a baseball player. They view me as a person. Um, And I think that's one of those things that it was like an aha moment for me to where like, um, I really, I think that's where like I grew as a person. And I realized like, you know, like just be grateful for the opportunity that you're getting right now. And I actually turned the Tommy John and a little bit of like, I guess, stress or negativity in my life into something good. And I was, I actually became a better pitcher after Tommy John. And I learned way more about the body. Um, It made me realize like, Hey, when I go out there and I pitch, yes, I want to do good. Everybody knows you want to do good. But if you have a bad game, like people might not remember that they're going to remember who you are as a person, you know? And I think that was something that like, this might sound crazy, but when I played shortstop, and I, I know I went to Rowan, but like, I never really failed as a kid when I played baseball. Like when I, once I got to pro ball, it was the first time I ever like really like was like, damn, like, you know, and it was like a wake up. And I think without that growth, I'm not in the position I am today in anything. Like, I think it teaches you like, you know, like people say, Oh, I got my doc. I sell, I got my doctor in baseball. I've watched 160 games for seven years straight, you know, like, I think I've seen players from uh, I've seen players from the Latin community. Um, I've seen players from the West Coast, East Coast. I've lived in the DR and I've seen kids be successful with so many ways of training. Um, The one thing that is consistent with that is work ethic. And like ninety nine percent of the kids that I see that make it or get to that level, the mentality has got to be there, you know. You know, uh, just quickly, and I know Mark probably has some things he wants to go to, but uh, when you mentioned your Tommy John, if I remember correctly, you were back on the mound in a less than a year. Less than a year. Yeah, that's what I said. My first first live BP was like nine and a half months after Tommy John. Which, you know, is a credit to your work ethic and – uh, I also think it was like one of those things where like, you know, like uh, I think it's one of those things where like you get a thought in your mind where like, hey, like this has to get done this way or like you're at a timetable. And at that time, like my body, like thinking back at it, like 
I probably wouldn't recommend someone do it like in nine months, but um, I think my body was just like, Hey, let's, you got to do this, you know, like, so like you, I also did everything in the world to prepare myself. Like the day after I had surgery, I went to a walk with Charlie Culberson to Trader Joe's and we were buying like turmeric root and like making anti-inflammatory shakes right. to try to like get our bodies to heal at the time. Like, so like anything and like, listen, like that's where I think like coaches are really good. Like I'm so grateful for all the coaches I've had and but like, also like you have to be a student of the game. Like, I don't think that, I think that's what's lost in today's in today a little bit too. Like I was obsessed with this game, like hitting, pitching, everything. Like the second I got hurt, I was like, okay, how can I make this the best rehab ever? You know what I mean? Like, I just think like you have to be obsessed a little bit yourself. Well, you know, the competitor comes out in you and that's just another sign of, of what makes somebody special regardless of what they're combating, you know, um, you know, it's really interesting what you were saying. Uh, you know, uh, I'll go back to one comment. You were talking about the kid that's going, that's committed to Penn state. That is a real pitcher. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's what we talk about on this show all the time. The, his value uh, is not where it should be. You know, there should be, if you're the best pitcher, and you can and you and you perform the best. You know you should probably be uh, courted by some of the top baseball schools in the country. No, for um, sure. I mean, listen, this kid, um, like honestly, like he's he had offers from other schools. He had looks from other schools. Uh, it was one of those things where, like, um, he just Penn State was somewhere that he wanted to go and somewhere that uh, he liked to go, but. Uh, I mean, he is a top 10 pitcher of the state, but I just think people get so caught up with velocity and like, this is another thing, like, um, not a lot of kids get drafted out of high school. So like this year, um, I have kids who throw 87, 88 that have people reaching out to them through Twitter, asking them like about the draft. And like, I think it's one of those things where like, these kids need to be informed, like, you know, like, uh, it, it just, it, it blows my mind. The, the, the type of information that's out there for youth baseball. I think like, um, like you said, like, like this kid is 88 to 90 and like to me, and he's, and, well, he's been up to 93 and he sits, and if he wanted to throw an inning, he could be 90, 92, but he's 88 to 90. And he could like, he led the state in innings for the past two years in New Jersey. So like he had more innings pitched or more pitches thrown. Like, so like he's thrown, I think at a 19 starts, which I don't agree with because he's young, but he's, he's had like 17 complete games. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not his his high school coach. So I'm not saying that's the smartest thing to do, but like when we're talking about durability and stuff, like, like I tell this kid, dude, you're throwing more than major league starters, dude, you're going out there and throwing 106 pitches every six days and you're dominating, you're throwing 89 in the last inning, but I don't know if that's smart for your development. Listen, if you have to do it once in a while right now, but, and then, then again, though, like, you know, like, like who's to say that's not what his body should be doing. You know, he's not, he's not a maximum effort guy. That's why he can do it. These other guys probably couldn't do it. Even if you asked him to do it. They And that's the, that's a great point. They can't, they're not even close. They can't do it. This kid, so he's better than they are, not physically, but he's better, better pitcher than they are. And he can give the team more than they can. And I think he will physically be just as good. Like we're talking about right. like 17, 18 year old. This is an 18 year old kid who actually at the time last summer was 17 years old. He would go out and give me five or five, four or five scoreless. Like it was the, like, it was like him walking his dog. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, right. and he would get taken out of the game with, in 78 pitches. So if I needed him to really go seven or eight, he could have. It's just that also he had pro events the next week where you're getting like, you know, like, or like four days. So, but like this kid is a real pitcher. And that's where like, I also think like the way that you're training has a lot to do with that. Also, like um, the, the, the world of social media and training makes it seem like, Hey, if you do this drill, you're automatically going to get these results when that's not really the case. Like 
you, you, like these are these are long term plans. Like we actually do a lot of what like I learned in the Rockies in our in our thing in our in our training. Like we have player development plans. We have hey, what are you good at? What are you not good at? What's the long term growth? How are we going to get better at this right now? Um, and then like honestly, like technology is good if you, the kid has it. But if a kid doesn't throw not eighty seven miles an hour or doesn't have a curveball to spin, like that technology is technically not really helping me. I need to train this kid and I need to use my eye and my experience and what I felt as a player and things that I've done to say, Hey, maybe this will work for the kid. Maybe this will work for the kid. Like technology is good. If, if the kid, if somebody has it or maybe, Hey, you can use it for things. And yes, I can tell you how much mobility you have, what your spin rate is, how hard you're throwing. But like, like I think technology is an easy way for some people to become lazy. Like you need to work at this game. Like, that's just how it needs well, to be. Well, it, it turns more people into experts. Yes. Because they can read the technology, but they don't have the eyes to see what a player, uh, you know, when a player's improving and what adjustments they may, may need to do with their eyes. You know, uh, you made a point, you know, you know, for me, <laughs> I, I don't see the workload that strong when they're pitching every six days or once a week. You know, that's what, that's what, refers, you know, like they all refer to being overloaded and that may be more because of effort, you know, even in the major leagues, you know, they've got a five-day rotation, often six with off days. Um, there's nobody that can't recover in six days. I mean, that I'll go out on a limb and say that. Nobody can't recover with six days. So it's hard to overwork somebody when you're only going on a six-day rotation. Now, what you're doing in between, you know, if you got a coach or a facility or something that's going crazy during those days in between and throwing, then that might be a factor. But if you're doing the right things, uh, it shouldn't really affect you. Um, you, know, you know, you've, uh, you know, you made a comment and, and it's really good because you, you know, you run a facility, you know, in today's sports, you know, we, they're popping up everywhere. Yes. Um, what are what are the things that parents and players should look for when they're making a make the best choice for a facility to go to? I mean, like, listen, so like I think you need to find somewhere that first off does this as their like full time job. Like a lot of these places or a lot of these teams are like secondary jobs for people like it's you can still you can you like, for instance, like you can help kids and you can still make money doing it. You know what I mean? Like you don't you, like, that's what I think people sometimes don't understand. Like, but you truly have to help kids. Like we have like a scholarship foundation here. We have a nonprofit, we help kids. Um, but we're also really good at what we do. So we do charge, but like, we also offer like, I'm here seven days a week. Now I understand that from October till March is a really important time for these kids to develop. So like, I have kids who don't even have workouts on days that come here and hang out. Like we have a player's lounge, but I think you need to find people who are fully vested in this just as much as you're going to be invested as a parent or a kid, you know, like um, I think that's a really important part because you could be a doctor, but if, if I can't get this kid to buy in, or if I'm the smartest person in the world, when it comes to pitching, if I can't get through to these kids or get them to understand or make, make it cool for them to do on a daily basis, then like, how are we going to get the results? You know, I also think being honest too, like we're, I'm a really honest person. Like I tell a kid when you come in, like, listen, you can do all the weight training that you want to do, or you can do this, that, but if you're not practicing the skill or vice versa, if all you do is hit your whole life and you never do the aspect of working out to, to train your body to get stronger, like you're not really fully invested. So like, I think you have to find somewhere that can, fully help you like long-term, not just, Hey, is it good for my kid right at this moment too? You know, Mark, that speaks to what we talk about a lot is uh, one of the most important things we can do as people who have the experience we have is to educate the parents and the kids and develop that bond of trust that, that, that what we're saying is correct. And we have their best interest and you're developing that in a really, really positive manner uh, with your guys' programs that you're doing. Um, I will touch back on 
that pitcher that you talked about. And, you know, that kid years ago was the projected high school pitcher that would get drafted pretty high, but the, the velocity now is such a, uh, a, a big thing. That kid that we know, he's 17 years old. I would, you know, when I first started scouting, I would see a 17-year-old that would touch 93 and would go out and pitch complete games and really have a good, clean delivery and a clean arm action and able to repeat and do all those things. That was a guy that I, I said, my gosh, two or three years from now, if he ends up going to college, you're going to give him a million dollars because he's going to be a first-round pick. So well, why know. not give him, you know, why not give him three hundred thousand out of high school? But that was a different world when we had forty-five, fifty, sixty rounds in the draft. We had more than one rookie league entry level team, which we were doing now. So the whole thing has changed so much. But that guy that you talked about was valued much higher years ago. I have a question for Mark, you and Will. Um, you know, with the absence of, with the reduction of the draft with the absence of the developmental leagues, uh, this places a heavier emphasis on people like Mags and situations like he's developed there with his facility uh, to help these kids be at a higher level when they are drafted, when they are going to college. Would you say that's that's correct? Yes. Yeah. Mark, uh, you know, the other thing too is how many big league kids and minor league guys come in and big-time college guys come in that your young kids can look up to and watch them what they do as well. I mean, honestly, on a daily basis here, we'll have uh, big leaguers from the Giants, Dodgers. Um, uh, we have actually we had a, we had a Rockies guy in here yesterday who played a little AAA, a little double-A. Um, but we have uh, basically anywhere from like 10 to 12 minor league, major leaguers, 30 to 50 college guys and like 70 high school dudes. Uh, and that's like, just like membership based. So like, and like we have, we're talking like LSU commits, Duke commits, Wake Forest commits, Rutgers, Seton Hall, um, all in the same place. So it's a really, really cool atmosphere. And the cool thing is, is like these kids really uh, get to experience and see like how a major leaguer goes about their work ethic. Like, Hey, I, they don't just come in, and hit off the machine. They do a warm up. They make sure that they get their body loose so they don't get hurt. And it's my biggest thing is like, what I think is really cool is you'll have major leaguers come in here and work on hitting the ball to the right side of the field as a righty or as a lefty staying inside the ball. No. And, and that's to me, I love that because it makes everything that we preach better, you know, like, so like, I, and like, you know, like, and that's where like, it was really cool. Some of these major leaguers take their time. They talk to these kids, but I think they, they gets really cool too. Like I've had them say like, Hey, yeah. it's really cool what you guys are doing here. Like that's the new, the, like the New Jersey high school player of the year last year, like the best player in the whole state trained in our building. His name's AJ Gracia. You want to talk about a special kid um, that this kid could be like, a, a dude who hits 20, 30 plus bombs in the big leagues one day and is 95 plus off the left side. Like he's at Duke as a two way right now. So, like, his name's AJ Gracia. Really, he's a special kid. Really special kid. Well, he sounds like he's smart too if he's going yeah, to Duke. Right. <laughs> just at character wise, just one of the, the most special kids I've ever met in my entire life. And Max, well, talk to us. Well, I know we're, we're, we're an audio show, but. On a typical Saturday now, you're, you're walking into the facility, paint a picture for our audience, you know, when your day starts, when your day ends, what's what's the typical Saturday look like with the type of players that are there, what's being worked on? Um, you I know, mean, so, so basically how it works is um, it's basically the same thing every single day, Monday through Monday. Uh, so really doesn't matter the day. So from 8 a.m. to like 1 p.m., uh, we have – the college and pro membership. So if you play college or pro baseball, you come in and you do whatever your college or your pro team is having you do. Um, we have track man, we have water bags, we have towels, we do towel drills, you know, we do, we mix a little, a little bit of everything, but like my job there is I help these guys. I spot these guys, but I also like give these guys my input. Um, it's almost like, 
not, I'm going to say a brotherhood because like these guys don't know each other that well, but it's a bunch of guys who have the same goal that want to be dominant in this game that come every morning and they train with each other. And um, we have an app. It's a PRD training app that has workouts on it, arm care, throwing programs, um, all that stuff. But it's more these guys. I've, I've a lot of these guys I've known for a long time. So it's more like, hey, coach, I'm struggling with this right now because um, I only see them for a month when they're home in the winter. So like, uh, and they're all home right now. So they all just got home. So like, it's hard to change everything they're doing, you know. So I try to take what they're doing well, give them feedback, and basically give my like uh, almost as like a coach to them. But um, after one o'clock is when like the real training happens. We have 75 to 70 high school members that I would say 40 of them are division one commits that come in daily that have a full program on their phone that has a warm up, arm care, jumping, running. Um, it's, it's basically phased from like early in the off season. It's more intent in the weight room. Once it goes closer to the, like more of their games, it's more skill work. Um, and basically it's a full program from one o'clock till five thirty every day. If you play high school in this area, you're probably here. You're probably in our building. And then after five thirty, it's youth training. So whether we have team practices or it's one-on-one training, um, that's when we have more of the 13 and below come in at night after that. We still have guys who are older come in at night, but a bulk of the training, like of how it happens, it happens in those phases. You know, I, I like what your common sense approach with the higher level guys that are only with you for a short time, uh, because there's too many places that have people fly in. They spend a week with them and they change everything with them because they want to put their tag on the player. Yeah. I mean, I try to you know, take, I, I hate that. No, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like my thing is, is I have a kid come in. He tells me, Hey coach, I've been struggling with this. This is what they got me doing. And I say, Hey, I really like that. Or, Hey, I'm, I would never disagree or say that. I would just say, Hey, you know what? Um, let's try these one or two drills to help with that. You know, I'm not trying to change anyone's approach like that unless I'm like, yo, I think something like this would really benefit you. Um, but with major leaguers, sometimes it's really cool. Cause sometimes it's like, these guys are so aware of their body and they're so, um, locked into what they're doing that, um, you can even, you, I learn from them daily, what they're like, what they're feeling. Um, but it's also cool. Cause sometimes you could say something so simple and then be like, you know what, I'm trying to make this pitch right now, something it's not. And, and sometimes me telling them, Hey, just go back to what you did there. You were an all-star there. Try to do that. And then they're like, you know what? And then like, sometimes like it's as simple as like, let's just be smart and let's, what made you successful? Why are we trying to change? You know, like, um, but I also think that like the game can go both ways. Like you can use the technology really well if you get it and understand it. But I also think like I told Will this the other day, like I can watch a, a bunch of videos on Instagram and on YouTube about how to do Tommy John and how to do the surgery. But if you were a kid or an adult who had Tommy John, even though I can tell you everything better than the guy giving it to you, maybe like I can, like if I studied it, you're not going to trust me. And the way the world is in baseball right now is just as long as on Instagram or YouTube, you can sound smart. You don't have to play the game to teach somebody. And that blows my mind a little bit. Well, you know, uh, to add, you know, to to answer Dave's question, he wanted to know about, you know, with the lesser rounds in the draft. Um, you know, to me, it it pushes it probably pushes more people to college, and uh, and after college, it pushes them to independent leagues, um, which is a really important change in in demographics with pro ball with without those those short season teams uh, the independent leagues are carrying a big load in that you know having said that you know uh, going back to the guys going to college which really bothers me is is major league baseball uh, they've taken away that expense of of short season so they probably need to have more allow schools to have more scholarship opportunities with players that the major league baseball donates to colleges no because, 
because there's guys that that could go to college if if somebody could give them a scholarship. But there there's so many limited scholarships and the part part scholarships and stuff for colleges. Um, there's guys that are getting missed out, and uh, you know, and it's the same thing with you know putting money in dependent leagues. Yeah. Okay. No, I- I mean, I agree. I agree. I also think the way the game is, it's, I mean, uh, I think everything's about like, uh, how can, how can I get instant results, instant gratification? Like there's no, like a lot, a lot, a lot of people don't understand the long term of this. Like, uh, I guess like, you know what, like the best way to put it is you got to do like a lot of the right things for a real long time to be good at this game. You can, it's not like an overnight game. Baseball is not an overnight game. You got to do well, a lot of things right for a long time. This industry has lost patience, um, and patience comes when you when we who have played know how hard the game is, and it does take time. It does take time to become a good hitter. It t- takes time to become a better pitcher. You know, I saw a good interview with uh, McCann, who had a really good year with the Orioles last year, and he went back to, and I haven't heard this in ages, Mark, like we used to hear, you, you're not going to know if you can hit in the big leagues till you have 1,500 at-bats. Yeah. And he said, I finally have had 1,500 at-bats, and now I can figure some stuff out. Think about when Ozzy Smith first signed and he used to be a 220 hitter, but his defense kept him in the lineup, and he ended up being a 280, 290 hitter uh, most of his career because he figured out how to hit a little bit. You know, there was patience involved. Um, so, you know, we, you're right, Mark. Everybody wants instant gratification. You know, they want to go to the velocity place and pick up 10 miles per hour. and It, it, it don't happen. No, and, and listen, I don't, I don't know if it's even good if it happens. Like you have kids right now that, not anymore because of the way college has changed. They can't sign that early. But three years ago, you were having kids sign as eighth grade and freshmen because they hit eighty three as a lefty, and then yeah. their junior year they were still at eighty four, eighty five, and they yeah. had to get decode from a school. Yeah, no, so like I think like and and for health purposes, like I just think the long term play of. Uh, I mean, look at like the Dominican Republic, like they, there's no, they don't have anywhere near the technology that we have and they still continue to put out arms after arms, um, that throw hard that what, like if technically what we want, they're, 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 they're promoting, we're producing people that throw the baseball hard and yeah. pretty durable. Yeah. They go out and they long toss and they throw every day. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. They're not on any pitch counts. They're, there's no real science to what they're doing. They're kind of doing just old school stuff that Bob Feller did as a kid, go out and throw every day. Mags, we, we do a lot of work here with, with young kids now. And I find when they matriculate into our program, they're so overcoached and undertaught. Um, c- could you speak to that a little bit when, when, with your observations, not just with the the young kids, but as, as kids matriculate into your facility, do you find that nowadays? Uh, yes, for sure. I think there's two ways. Like some parents love it. Like some parents love when you break your the kid down and say, listen, like we're doing a 10 week camp here, or we're going to train for the next 10 weeks. Like, let's try to like learn this stuff instead of just, I think like, like you said, like, it's almost like, Hey, like here, you're going to come and do these drills, but why are you doing this drill? Or what's, what are you getting out of this drill? What is, what is the purpose? Like a big thing for me, I think why, like, why, why we are able to develop kids so well is because we get them to buy in like internally, like, like, you know, like, and I think that's one of the biggest things of weightlifting is the part with, um, the part with, sorry. Somebody just commit. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. I exited out of the screen. So no. the, the part, the, so the, the, sorry, I lost my train of thought. We were talking about weightlifting. Um, yeah. well, I think that's why it's a big part too. Is cause like if a kid works out for six to eight weeks, they start seeing a physical change. They become confident 
all of a sudden they're a new kid when they're hitting and playing in the field. You know, like there's a so much. I think that's why like getting to know your kids, and that's one thing my college coach I think did really well. Like uh, at Division Three, his name is Juan Ranero. Is he had a relationship with every single kid on that team, whether you never played a game, he had a nickname for you. He made you feel like you were the biggest part of that team, and. I think that's something that like the coaching part, like I think sometimes coaches just show up, they just roll the ball out. Like there's not enough being taught, but I think there's sometimes the reason why there's not enough being taught is because um, people don't know what to teach. Uh, they're just, they're not sure of what to teach. So to them, that's what they can do, or that's what the industry has accepted. Like um, there's certain places in the world right now where if you get a throwing program from this place, you can have a pitching coach who, never really pitched before that's teaching you how to throw a slider or how you should be training or how you should be preparing, preparing your body for a season that's never pitched in a season before, you know? So like, it doesn't really make sense to me. You know, Mark, you know, we, we, our show's common sense and we talk so much and I know I had this conversation with you. Uh, Eventually you become your own best coach. For sure. When, when you are taught, and I told you, you're a good athlete, you know foundationally what you needed to do, and you became your own best coach. And there's that level of trust between what Mark and the people with the Rockies were doing when you and I would throw in the offseason. Um, and that, that, to me, builds confidence, too, when you have – you have a level of learned knowledge to go out and know that you're prepared to go perform. That's when you succeed too. I a hundred percent agree. And I think also like you have to have people in your life that care about you, but you also have to care for that to happen, yeah. you know? So like, I think that's where like in order for me, sometimes I have to show a kid that I really care. Like, and that's where like this might, like sometimes I have parents that in the first time they meet me or the first time they might think I'm a little hard, but then the kid loves me because they're like, they're the first time who's ever stopped my kid in the middle of a lesson and said, listen, if you don't do it right on this drill, we're going to do this drill until you do. They like it, It's not just, okay, we check the box, let's do the next drill. Like it's not automatic, you know? So like, I think that's something that just in general in life, not just baseball, like I think sometimes in the way things are in life right now, things are given to people. And I think that's why also like, we don't just automatically let, I don't just automatically let a kid throw off a mound during his lesson, unless he proves to me that he's ready for that. You know, I think you're right. I think when you make connections with a player, you do it by telling them the truth. Yes. And, and, and you're not selling your program first and, and, and telling them the truth last. You know, and that's what happens. People tell people they're doing fine or they check the boxes, like you said, and uh, the kid thinks he's getting something out of it. But a true eye of a coach isn't there to tell him the truth that you're really not. No, for sure. And listen, I there's times where a kid will come to me for a pitching lesson who's 14 years old, who weighs 87 pounds. And I tell and the dad's like, listen, I want my kid to throw harder. And I'll say, listen, dude, like this isn't going to help my pockets, but you need to get your kid in the weight room and he needs to eat. And then once that part is consistent, the throwing part's going to get better, but where there's not much we can do with this, with, with what you're with. And it's, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I want to be honest. So in 10 weeks from now, you're not like, Hey, my son's only throwing one mile per hour harder. You know, like we, like uh, this, I think that's why we've also grown as a business is because, we take a kid who's 13 or 14 and rather than just taking their money, we let them know like, Hey, this is where your kid needs to get better. Hey, this- you're, you're better. You're, you're absolutely right. And the ones that are shy away because of that, which you'll always have parents to think they know more than you do. Uh, they're the ones that say, well, this isn't the right place for, you know, because they, they actually think their kid can throw hard, even though he doesn't have the tools to do it. I mean, I'll give you a phrase, Mags, next time you get one of those. I always ask the parents, they'll ask my opinion. I'll give them my opinion, but they already have a prescribed perception of their child. For sure. My question back to them is, would you like information or affirmation? If you want information, ask the question again. I'll give you my answer. If you want affirmation, I'll just, you tell me what to say. I'll say it and just go away so we don't have to deal with each other. 
right. You're right, though. You're right. Sometimes, you know, and and I think that I think that's a big thing that people just sometimes people think that like you know like just because they're paying to play on your team that you're gonna do everything they ask. Like at the end of the day, like we're a business that we're trying to help these kids, and if if like it's just like we try to treat this like like life and also like real baseball. Like if you're like, we have levels of teams, right? We're a big program. If you're on a, if, and I'm not going to say B team because uh, that's not really like how it is. Like at 12 years old, you don't know who's on the A or B team. You know what I mean? Like it's more of like, but if you're a kid who shows development or throughout the year, we're not hesitant to be like, yo, you deserve this. You're playing better. You, why don't you go do this? Why don't you go play on this tournament? You know, like, but we also think that like, we have different levels. We have teams that are more practice first teams, you know, like I think there has to be like, not everybody fits the, the same category. And that's where I think like the game is getting to like, Hey, um, everybody's got to do this or everyone has to do this certain way. Or, and I think that's not the case. Like there's a lot of ways things can be done, but I think the, the, the background of that or the, the, the meaningful part of everything is the hard work. Like, yeah. Mark Wiley and Will have been doing this for years. Like I've been, I've, I've been doing the coaching stuff for five years. I've been grinding at this game for 15 years, but like, you know, like these are guys that have been doing this at this game for years, every day on a daily basis. Not like, okay, you know what? It's Sunday. Let me go throw the ball around, you know, like, or let me go write some reports on a Sunday. There, this is like a daily thing that if you want to grow in this game, you have to do this daily. Well, you've had it. If if you want to be as good as you can be, you have to have passion. Yeah. And if you don't have passion, you may still be pretty good. I mean, we've seen major league players get there that don't really have a passion. They can perform at a decent level, but they're never as good as they should be because they don't really have a passion for it. They just happen to be good at it, you know. Um, here, I want to shift gears a little bit. You know, with your experience with, with uh, facility training, and your years as a minor league pitcher, um, what are what are some of the things you wished had been taught more in pro ball? Um, honestly, I think that like when when I was in pro ball, um, I I never really understood off speed pitches. That was one thing that like I never I never really understood like the mental side of pitching. So like I would be on the mound and be like, damn, I'm about to throw another fastball. But then when it's, that's when I was like a hitter and I was like, I would think as a hitter, like, wow, I used to be like so worried about off speed pitches. And I think personally, I think for me, I needed to learn the game more. Like well, I talk to these big leaguers who come in, it's not about their stuff. It's about what, what it is about their stuff a little bit. It's more like, but what are they, how can they, attack a lineup and get guys out. And I think the game went away from that. It was more like how hard can I throw or like, I think I didn't, me as a person, I didn't understand that. I, and as I grew as a player and now that I'm coaching and I see kids compete and I see kids pitch on a level, I understand now that like, I think the pitch actual pitching part of the game is getting lost. Well, I think, you know, you hit on the head, uh, you were a conversion guy, so you hadn't had a lot of experience pitching when you got into pro ball. No, and, and, and that's like one of those things, like I was really, and this is wild to say, but like whenever someone put down the changeup sign, that's like a feel pitch, you know? So like for me, the first three, four years ever throwing that, I never had like full conviction like, hey, this is the pitch I wanted to go with right now. But I knew like in order to also survive in the big leagues, you can't just have a fastball, right. you know? So like, but – I think for me, um, and I never learned at a young age, but like these kids here, I'll have a parent ask me, hey, how much velocity is my kid going to gain in this 10-week camp? Well, what about how much better is my pitch going to how, – how much, how much is my kid going to learn about pitching? How about that? Like, yeah. Is my kid going to learn that like a fastball up in the zone in is just as hard as a, as a fastball four, mile, four miles an hour slower uh, or like vice versa, low and away? You know, I mean, it's like, a learned process, and unless you sign because you had a good off-speed pitch or a changeup, 
Um, it takes a while in pro ball for a guy to get appreciation for it because he can compete at a pretty good level without it. Well, this until is my- you get to AAA or the big leagues, and so you know sometimes it's an aha moment. It's a a catcher that has has confidence in your changeup, and and he may be a good hitter, so he understands the value of throwing the guy off balance because he would never look for a changeup on a two one or three one count. And so he starts calling it for you. You start throwing it. You start getting positive results. All of a sudden, it becomes part of your arsenal. So there's a growing and a learning process. But sometimes other people, um, you know, they're part of it. I mean, we can call change-ups for minor league players and make them throw them. But there's the time to throw it. There's the reason for it. Uh, there's the observation that you sped his bat up. There's things that a guy has to learn on his own, too. Exactly. I think that's one thing that I think people don't really do as well as they do that or like they don't play the game. It's more no. like, OK, I have my my best my out pitches or I have to throw an off speech in this situation or um, I don't think people really play the game. And I think that's one thing we do here. I think that's why, like a lot of my guys, we pitch like if you look. We beat teams like my teams are very talented. We have committed teams, but we beat teams that are top five in the country that have an arm that's 94, 96. And my kid that's 87, 89 just struck out 12 because we know how to pitch, you know, like and I think that's like the the difference. Like we'll, we'll face a Vanderbilt commit and put a five spot up in the first inning off a kid who's 94, 97 because he walked the first two dudes and then we steal on him and then he's lost. And I think the game is so caught up with like speed of throwing and instant like, wow, did you see that? Rather than like, hey, this dude just struck out 12 guys at the end of the game and nobody even noticed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's more people you know, the, the, play the game. You know, I love that play the game. You know, the highlights now are 100 mile an hour fastballs and home runs. But that has nothing to do with the game. The game no, is, is so many, so many other different things, and uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's it, it's sad that we're going there. Um, but you're you're certainly in the right place, Mark. You know, like you talked about, um, you wish you would have be, you know, learn more about the game. And I had a manager in the minor leagues my first three years, and then my. Uh, Jimmy Williams, who went on to be a big league coach, and then Mark, uh, who was my manager and traded my ass. Um, <laughs> but Jimmy Williams and Cal Ripken Sr. and Ray Miller and the people in the Orioles organization encouraged us. You know, they gave us notebooks to take notes during the game every day, you know, as a pitcher on hitters, on situations. Jimmy Williams used to say, manage the game with me. If you want to know why I bunted or why I hit and ran, why I put on the wheel play, ask me. I'll answer the question. Yeah. And, and and when you have that open dialogue, you start to learn things. And then you learn that everybody, you know, not everybody does everything the right, the, the same way. And there's not only one right way to do it, because when you get traded, you go somewhere else and you go, oh, wow, that's really good. I like that. Um, so there, th- th- it's being open to learn. And yeah, it's, 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 um, and this is part of the issue is what we're talking about is that with the facilities that are out there that aren't teaching it right. Right. We get these guys into pro ball. It's harder to get them to take their notebook and learn from the managers and the coaches than it used to be. I mean, we used to, we knew we weren't going anywhere unless we listened to these guys and yeah. learned from them. Yeah. Um, some of the guys that come into pro ball now, you have to win them over. That's where that authentic relationship really matters. That's why we went to um, a, a, a procedure with every drafted player to interview them and interview their coaches about them. And when we interviewed the player, we'd ask them about their their parents and their siblings and stuff. And we'd find out stuff that we had no idea. You know, we'd, you'd find a pitcher that, you know, you knew what kind of stuff he had. You, you thought you knew what kind of player he was. 
But then you start to talk to the guy and he starts telling you about his autistic brother that him are real close to him and he helps him dress in the morning. And you see, you learn stuff about kids where you can make authentic relationship and see them in a different light. So it's really important, you know, what these training facilities are doing now. And and I wish there were more of them like yours. Yeah. No. Guys, we kept mags for over an hour here. Now, what, what final question will we have for him? Uh, how do we want to leave our audience? Mark, you, 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 you got anything? Yeah. Just, I, not- I look, I, I look at it this way. This is my question. I mean, this is more of a statement that it's pretty obvious from day one when Mark showed up with the Rockies, uh, uh, it signed with us as a free agent, uh, was a conversion guy but he had a passion for the game. And, you know, if we do anything, and I think you've already said it, you have a passion and that's what you're trying to instill in these players that you're training. And I said, and there's no better, there's no better thing to give someone than an appreciation and passion for the game. Passion and work ethic. Well, Max, how how can we support you? How can our audience find you? Our 60,000 and growing all these different countries you're talking to, how can they find you? How can they get involved with the program or at least uh, see the program from afar? I mean, if they just follow me on Instagram, Mark underscore Magliaro. And uh, if they just look me up on Instagram, I everything's connected to that. And I do post a lot of the team stuff on there, a lot of the training stuff on there. I post the guys who come in and train and uh, that's really it. And I mean, listen, like it's December 8th right now. And Honestly, the guys that work here, we won't have a day off till March 15th when high school season starts. So I think a big part of this is like just how like, you know, like we do get credit and we do love when these kids commit and we do like having these really good teams. Like um, there is a lot of work that puts into it, but these kids put in a lot of time. Like I'm going to be here every single day this week with or this these next couple months with the same group of kids that'll be here five to seven days a week um, with the same goal in mind. So like, I think that's the biggest thing is these kids are super passionate. They make me even more passionate. And um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Like you need to, you need to really love. I mean, like, listen, like I think we're excelling at what we do because I really love what I do. And I think the kids see that and they're, they're thriving. Like the kids love being here. It's almost to the point where we got to tell them to go home at night. They stay here so long, you know? So it's a really cool, really, really cool culture. Well, uh, with your permission, I'll put it out on our show notes yeah, for our, 100%. For our audience. And then we also, I just followed you myself on our real voices of the game. So you'll see us. And then our, we have a program called one-on-one where we put over 600 kids into college uh, for basketball cool. baseball in the last four years. And so I, I, I so our audience members in that regard, on our Instagram account, I just uh, tagged Mark. So make sure you follow him and, and get involved with, with what they're doing, at least from a, from afar. So, But that was great. Guys, thanks so much, Mark and Will. Wait, I got one, one quick funny story on the glamorous life of minor league baseball. Mark, uh, your first year you got promoted to the Northwest League. Was that Tri-Cities? Yes. And you were there for a couple of days, and he called me up and he goes, Will. My bedroom's like a closet. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, I'll, I'll take a picture and send it to you. And I go, holy shit. Yeah. Funny, I, man. He goes, he goes, what What do I do? I go, well, I mean, can you at least, he goes, yeah, I can lay down in there. Well, just sleep in there, I guess. But, you know, I mean, we, we all have some horror stories in the minor leagues. It's not a glamorous life. Um, it never deterred your work ethic. And like I said, I know Mark and I are real proud of what you're doing and uh, keep doing it. Okay. No, I really appreciate that. And I really think that's why people don't understand that. Like, listen, there are people in the world that like, we, they say the 1% or less than 1% that are physically blessed and they do really work hard at this. These major leaguers do work hard. I'm not going to say none of them, the, like, but I think that at the end of the day, uh, you need to really at anything in life if you you got to put the time in if you want to really be successful and be passionate about what you're doing so it's a great note to 
to leave our audience with there. And uh, guys, great interview as well. As well, Mags, thanks so much. Look forward to getting to know you uh, post-interview here. And uh, Blackout Coffee, want to give you thanks. Make sure coffee is on Will and Mark this month. So make sure you're using their codes at checkout. Mark Wiley is Mark W, all capitals with the number 20. Will George is Will G with the number 20, all capitals. Get 20% off your coffee on Mark and Will this month. Um, to our 60,000 plus, you guys know what to do. You're battling those analytics with us, so make sure you give them five stars, write some great comments, questions under there, help move us up the charts of iHeartRadio's podcast network. And Ted Kubiak's book, Old School, make sure you get it. Put it put it in a stocking stuffer for your baseball fan. His fielding manual is a must. I have it on my shelf. And with that, real voice to the game, day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. That's a wrap, episode 378. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Dave. You. Thanks for coming on, Mark. Great job, Mags. Try that in a small town